Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Joe McAdam is a lot of fun. It's 10 artists that, when we were in high school, we thought were going to be relevant today. Some of these are for good reasons. Some of them are for bad reasons. And either way, it was just a chance to talk about the what-ifs, the could-have-beens about... Actually, no. It's I like to talk to with music about Joe McAdam, especially when things are a little hectic in Washington, D.C. That is where we record this show. Something else that's happened is uh, not good, and that's why we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. It's in this podcast description. It's on our About page, and um, yeah, it's all there. Joe McAdam is one of the funniest people I know. He's also one of my favorite people to talk about music with. Therefore, there's this show. His old show, RPM, is one of my favorite music podcasts. I think that's alive somewhere. If it is, I'll link to it in the show description. Either way, here's the show. So this one is sort of confusing because I am working on this Block Albums project and I'm thinking about a lot of the music that I listen to as a younger person, right? And a lot of that clearly is stuff that I thought would be important when I was in high school that is clearly no longer important. So that's kind of what I wanted to discuss with you. Five artists, there's no real ranking here, but five of your artists that... When you were matriculating in high school, you thought were going to be a big deal or matter post high school. Yes. Does that I, make sense? I had to fudge and say college a little bit. Oh, of course, of course. I you, fudged slightly, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think they these choices um, make sense for that. So, for the, some more context, you and I did not go to the same high school or college. Um, I think we're I think we're a few years apart in age. I'm 38. 36. Perfect. I think that's a great cross-section, so it's roughly the same idea. Um, it's not artists that necessarily released albums between 97 and 2001 for me, but artists that, at that point, I thought had lasting power. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so do you want to start, or should I? Uh, I'll, I'll start, and let's see if this makes uh, if, if, if this qualifies, so you can, you can give me the heads up. This I feel like this pick might even offend you. Okay. Uh, Zwan. Oh, that's great. Zwan is your first pick. What a great pick. Why did you think... This is no, no, in no way offensive to me, if anything, an oversight in my world. But why do you think Zwan... Zwan clearly makes the list of having no relevance whatsoever. But in the year 2001, or was it two when they came out? I think the band was together I, in I one. Don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, the band was, was together in 2001, there. and then they released their first and only record, Mary Star of the Sea, in 2002. Why did you think Zwan was going to be important in, in 2021? Because this the Smashing Pumpkins were massive. Oh, yeah. And I, my first concert, I was so, I was, I, I loved them. And then I was like, all right, I think it by the end of what they were doing, I was like, I was maybe losing a little interest in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt like, oh, but now we're back in action, baby. Yeah. Zwan, this is going to be it. And then absolutely just didn't, didn't last. I mean, you know, Billy Corgan, it feels like he has uh, a hard time keeping a band together. And, uh, you know, here's the thing about that kind of, but not really because Jimmy Chamberlain has been in and outside of that orbit since like 88, pretty consistently i mean he was the drummer in zwan 
E has been back at this point for more than four years in the original run. He said the Jeff dude that replaced Eha in the initial run, so from 2003 still, yes, there's been a few bases, but it's actually not that crazy of a turnstile. I think the Foo Fighters have had just as many members, and if anything, I think Dave Grohl is maybe the easiest person to work with in rock and roll. Yeah, that seems about right. So I guess, I don't know, like they've, uh, that's a good point. I guess the Foo Fighters have like 80 guys in the band now. Yeah. Um, if you like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. They have, they have tons of, uh, of new people. So Billy Corgan, what's that all about? (laughs) (laughs) Billy Corgan. Let's just, I I, want to talk about that. What's that? What's going on there? You're just doing Seinfeld, (laughs) old shitty Seinfeld bits about Dave Grohl's ever expanding Foo Fighters. What's the deal? Yeah. I can't think of an act where their first two albums are so good and clearly the Foo Fighters here are so good and near perfect that I still consistently listen to every single thing they put out and I'm consistently disappointed. Yeah, they don't really, uh, I don't know. I've, I haven't listened to the last whatever, probably at this point, four records. Yeah, that's I a lot say, of records. Every once in a while, I know, that's a ton. When a band like gets to that point where the the records I don't care about out like far outnumber the ones that I do, um, you know, that's, that's where that, that band is headed, but I, they, they, they've been there for a while, but I, every once in a while they do put out a song. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. There's like one. one decent to good song on every record or like one 30 second chunk where like, if this was the whole song, this would be great. Yeah. It's not, that's not enough to keep, um, my interest, no. I guess. So why is the Smashing Pumpkins not on this list, but Zwan is? Because I think, I wouldn't argue this, but I think a lot of people would say that the Smashing Pumpkins no longer matter. My retort to that is they're still able to headline massive festivals and sell out mid-size arenas. Yeah, exactly. There's, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. I, I guess I was thinking what history will kind of remember, mm-hmm. okay. and it certainly won't forget the Smashing Pumpkins. And no matter what they are now, popularity wise they're like in the books their you know legacy is secured kind of thing fair this was the artist that was the reason why i wanted to have this discussion because for about three years i couldn't think of a more relevant rock and roll band who maybe means the least in every aspect of that and that's corn corn inspired legions of kids to dress a certain way they were the yeah. biggest rap rock band for a very long time. Without them, we don't have the amazing Deftones. Without them, we don't have the atrocious Limp Biscuit. Like, they had their own tours. They had their own Lollapalooza-esque type tours. They played Ozfest. They were on TRL seemingly every day. They had album releases on MTV in primetime splats. They could. I can't think of an act that means nothing more today than Korn. I I don't I mean I agree with you that I don't I'm not hearing a lot of corn talk. No, <laughs> I'm not I'm not having corn conversations with people. Um, you know I'm not listening to their music, but I would say that I I think there's a chance that kids rediscover corn, uh, or they discover them for the first time and get really into it. I oh. think that is on the table. It is on the table. But I do think kids now are a little bit more socially aware and a lot of stuff in the corn catalog would not fly these days, even though from the perspective of 
the songwriter, they think they're on the right side of history. Looking back, I don't think that's true. I Yeah, I don't know enough about their, I guess, lyrical content, but I'm assuming there's probably some dated... Let me just ping you uh, over the... Uh, I'm not even going to say the words of uh, some of the songs on the first record. Uh, a massively selling, uh, huge juggernaut successful record. Um, Korn popularized the big jeans. They did Jenko's. That's corn. They also popularized that wearing Adidas more so than yes. they were like the white version of Run DNC. And then they got um, Puma on board. Yeah, they were doing the track suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I this isn't this isn't specifically a corn thing, but I've been rewatching or not rewatching. I, for the first time for me, I, I watched the uh, the Sopranos mm. um, over the last like two months. Um, and the uh, the son AJ on the show is like a he has like cold chamber shirts on yeah. and stuff in the early seasons, very like of the of the time like ninety nine. Mm-hmm. It's a great little you know a nice way to remember cold chamber. <laughs> All right, moving on. on. The poster in AJ Soprano's room. I just pinged you over the corn uh, uh, debut album in uh, Wikipedia page. There's a few tracks, specifically one. That you're like, oh, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, you know, uh, ignore the the ones that are that are horribly offensive. Yeah. So let's move on. What's your number two? Okay, so now I'm and now I'm thinking like, I've if you're going with Corn, I think I've picked some like two obscure bands. Oh no, because Corn was probably the biggest. Think. Actually, no, I got some really big ones, but we, we keep going. Okay, uh, I would say. One of them uh, that I thought was going to be hot shit was the Starlight Mints. Do you remember that band? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I, they, I thought, like, okay, the popularity of, like, the Flaming Lips mm-hmm. being, like, this weirdo Oklahoma band, and these guys are, like, I think that they were, like, oh, they opened for them on tour for, for a while, ages ago. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but... I was like, oh, that's like the connection that'll kind of like boost them up a little bit. And I really liked their first like two records. Um, and then no, no, nothing. I think they broke up a while ago. I mm-hmm. liked them though. Yeah, that's I, a I think really if good I just one. liked the band enough, <laughs> I thought that they would just be big. Like, oh, my taste is certainly the taste of America. Yeah. Uh, and no, I don't, I don't think they ever caught on. No, they didn't. But that's a really good I listen to college rock and roll uh, pick. Like they should they. I yeah. thought they'd be maybe at death cab levels. Could have been. You know, they're a little too like quirky for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But, maybe it's uh, the yeah, Barsic I think records. Wanted more like serious bad guy. It's, uh, maybe it's the Barsic records connection where I think of that, or maybe it's just because like I was in college when we were getting those CDs in the in the for our mailers. So that's probably why I associate the two. Also, they're white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they are. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm going to go so super duper massive, and that's going to be TLC. I guess they don't get talked talked about much these days. No, and for obvious reasons. But their leg- again, the legacy for them is huge. I think it fell the fuck off. I think it's similar to Corn For like three to five years, I couldn't think of a bigger group. And then Destiny's Child just took that baton and never let it go. And then Beyonce is still arguably the most successful, most popular performer around the world. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I, I guess the the definition of what um, 
of like what a a long running pop star looks mm-hmm. like is constantly kind of changing. But it's like, who could ever expect to live up to the to the standard of like Beyonce being the world's biggest cultural figure? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's a hard a high bar. But these are the bars that have been set, and so for the rock bands, it's a little bit easier. It's like okay, the biggest bar you can get is like Springsteen U two. So you're selling out massive like football stadiums, but below that, mid sized arenas, that's your Smashing Pumpkins level. The 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 ways to achieve certain things are much more tangible. And that's why TLC to me is at a huge fall off because they sold the most records. And then all of a sudden one of their members is no longer on the planet. <laughs> that makes it sound like a lot more fun than it is. And that made it sound like she went to space. <laughs> yes. And now <laughs> no one happened at all. You can't do much with two thirds of TLC. I mean, they still release stuff. They're still technically together, but they were so big for so long that they're just, they don't even make like the top 10 most important girl groups of all time at this point, I'd say. Oh, okay. Well, I don't, I don't, I, they, I still think they can hang into that conversation. They, yeah, they could probably hang, but for a while they were, no, they were the number one of the nineties. Yeah, that was, the, that was the, I feel like that they were a sound that just kind of uh, defined an era of, of that music for sure. And, and like they had easily, a very, they had like down. three distinct eras of sound. The first being like a fun, super, we're like, we're literally we're friends and it's the same lane as um, like early boys to men. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the Motown Philly type of thing even though mm-hmm. whatever and then it was like wonderfully produced mariah carey-esque waterfalls era and then at the end we're getting into the smashing pumpkins weirdo adore electronic stuff all three eras very very good if someone dies it's over and it's not like an Aaliyah thing where Aaliyah's legacy might actually be bigger than her time on <laughs> this planet <laughs> but, <laughs> all but, going up into space <laughs> no one ever dies they just go to space TLC to me is just so it's not like it makes sense why they are at this point in my brain. Does that make sense? I think what you need to do to follow this episode up yes. uh, is record an episode immediately following this with someone who is like 20 years old and ask them about all these bands that we're talking about, all these groups that we're talking oh, yeah. about and be like, what, what is the significance of them in your mind? I will do, you do know that. Who they are. Do you, that's like you, because now I'm just curious what the legacy of Corn or TLC is yeah. for young people. I want to know your third pick. I'm going with another one that's like too obscure, but the Marked Men. I thought they were a, like a good, solid, like catchy garage rock band of that era that never got the acclaim of you know the Hives or the the White mm-hmm. Stripes or something. But all of their songs are incredibly catchy. They had multiple records that I'm like, these are these are great, and uh, got no. Uh, I I thought they should have jumped up and, and graduated into the mainstream, but it never happened. Do you think it's because of where they're from, which is Denton, Texas? Po- yeah, probably. I mean, right? There's no there's no industry in Denton, Texas. Well. I mean, I, mean, I guess there, there's like a there's like a music school, right? I, I, I only could, honestly, the only thing I could think of is the Mountain Goat song. 
The oh, best I don't ever... really listen to Mountain Goats. I don't know that song. The best ever death metal band from Denton. I had a friend who went to school in Denton, Texas. I've been there a couple times. But I, yeah, that's a, that's a really good pick. They should have been bigger. They listened to listen to the record for anybody listening to this. Listen to the record, Ghosts. Okay, it's that's the one perfect. from two thousand nine. Everything is catchy. Yeah, that's their most recent yeah. album. Yeah, I think they just broke up, or they did other bands, or something after that. They did a band called one of the guys from it did a band called Mind Spiders that did a record that's also perfectly catchy, front to back. Every song is great. Get into them; they're great. They should have been bigger. Okay. That's a good pick. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to also make it so it's not just like guitars here. Yeah. So this is one where I'm not exactly sure. And okay, this is the mainstream one. It's Basement Jacks. Oh yeah. Because this is another. I'm basing almost all of mine on what I saw on MTV and MTV Two, and. Basement Jacks, especially Rudy, which came out when you were in high school and I was a freshman in college, I think something like that. And the album before that, massive. They were inescapable. They would be played on all types of radio stations. They're still around, I think, but it just it the the mainstreamness of Basement Jacks is seemingly gone. Now this pick was originally for Prodigy, but I think Prodigy's influence was exactly what I expected them to be which was sort of a flash in the pan, but incredibly influential for musicians that got into them. Not that dissimilar to say like a joy division. Yeah. And I also think because prodigy was kind of the edgier version, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that always is going to feel like there's a, there's a cap on like how many people are going to like prodigy. Yeah. You know, like I, I remember my mom, I bought, a prodigy about that uh that cd mm-hmm. the whatever the one that was the fat of the hit. land and my mom made me return it because of the song smack my bitch up on it and she was right <laughs> that was not for a child to be listening to now this is not a saying i'm in no way saying like basement checks aren't good or that they're no longer relevant just the, the heights that they achieved when i was in high school i thought that that was going to be like the future of sound and it maybe is in certain circles and it's maybe we're just not hearing as ambitious dance music as I would like, but that's why Basement Jacks makes the list. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's for sure a good pick. I, I remember what was the what was the song where the video was them with faces on like monkeys and stuff. Where's your head at? Yeah, there was that's, a lot of singles I off. I don't that really one. know much about Basement Jacks. Yeah, there was a lot of singles off of that uh, album. So, two thousand one was a very good year for Basement Jacks, and. Um, <laughs> Nothing. Just go ahead. Not America. Though. There we go. <laughs> Who is your number four pick? Even though this does not matter whatsoever when it comes to numbers. Cody Chestnut. I don't ask for much these days. Oh, okay. Remember Cody Chestnut? Oh, I do remember. So here's the difference between us. You thought Cody Chestnut was going to be bigger. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. I think. <laughs> I, I no. thought he was. I thought it was going to be like. Oh, this dude is gonna be like a damn star. I I truly was like, this guy's gonna pop off. <laughs> no, that did not happen. Not at all. No, I don't. I think he was like a weird reclusive weirdo. And well, I mean, like, he's still producing right, stuff. He's he's got a song in the new Pixar movie, so he's not like not doing high profile. Really? Yeah, he's not not doing high profile stuff. It's just not. You'd be hard pressed to 
not to talk to someone outside of a record store who knows who Cody Chestnut is that yeah period you're probably right I, I don't I don't keep up with like I guess I had not kept up with his you know but that's, uh, that his matters work it, that after should... that like first giant double record thing that he that came out in like the early 2000s which I thought was like so cool sounding because it mm-hmm. was like kind of a half-assed like oh whatever no big deal but I liked all like all the stuff on it was like pretty catchy but I, I feel like in my head I'm just like oh this person can write like catchy little hooks and stuff mm-hmm. and then that should equal they're huge but it it doesn't <laughs> no no just doesn't happen that way see the thing about it is he, guys like this I never expect to be big and I think that's the difference I'm all, all of my picks thus far are, are acts that had at one point sold out massive spaces and all of yours thus far maybe not Zwan are like really good artists that if there was a just society would be more popular I'm in my I can't I can't shake my uh, uh, my optimism it's 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 hopeless it's sad <laughs> and uh, and it's only gonna lead to people being disappointed uh, that they're not as they're not bigger than they than they were my fourth pick is not the exact opposite but pretty different and it relates back to corn it's incubus they were again another another you know huge band that didn't hang on so the thing that i'll always think about with incubus is brandon boyd specifically for two reasons number one the gap commercials do you remember the gap commercials where they would have um current like massive pop stars doing acapella versions of really great songs um, I, I remember LL Cool J was in one. There you go. Uh, Brandon Boyd did Allison by Elvis Costello. And it was pretty good. And it also was just like, why aren't you writing songs like this? This is not indicative. Yeah, why are you writing like songs that a DJ has to play, like do record yeah. scratches during? And then the other part is I think Brandon Boyd was part of the Jesus Christ Superstar production with Johnny Rotten that nev- that was like Bill and then never got off the ground. Do you know about this? What? <laughs> there we go. There we go. I found it. It's from 2014. Here we go. I'm pinging this over to you now. And this, this was is very what, off my radar. Yeah. I have not heard of this. You don't know about cool stuff like me. So, uh, this <laughs> this is why I will always think of them as not necessarily a failure, but like this guy used to be important to a lot of kids and now he's doing a like a touring version of jesus christ the musical with the least popular destiny's child member one of the lesser in sync members and johnny rotten and it never even happened why would who's like who put it together <laughs> i why don't know was it supposed to happen it was supposed to happen in the Whose spring idea was this i don't know it's a good idea boyd and williams performed the show's title track on it on an appearance of Good Morning America. So, like, it was in production. Why do you think that's a good idea? Because it's funny. <laughs> you got to do something. <laughs> Who is it for? I don't know. I, I can't imagine who cares. Yeah. So that's, Who th- is th- the, that's the point. That it, that it is for? That's the point. Because if you had, let's say, Beyonce in this role, people might show up to it. If you had Chino from Deftones, people might show up to it. If you had currently relevant 
people. That, wait, it. that's stop, slow down. That's the most insane, like you know, Beyonce or Gino <laughs> from the Deftones. Yeah, you're out of your mind. <laughs> yes, I know. That's fun. <laughs> like, I okay, would love to people see people would 100 percent show up for Beyonce. <laughs> and what are you talking about? <laughs> With the guy from the Deftones. <laughs> I'm just saying if I had to recast Jesus Christ Superstar Arena Spectacular with people from the same orbits, rather than Johnny Rotten, Brandon Boyd, Michelle Williams, and J.C. Sajas, I would cast Chino Marino to replace Brandon Boyd for obvious family values reasons, Beyonce to replace Michelle Williams, Timberlake to replace J.C. Sajas, and I'll keep Johnny Rotten. Yeah, who are you going to yeah, you can't jump, you know, make the everyone has a counterpart. Everybody in that cast has a counterpart that there is an upgrade to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what the equivalent of a, an upgrade to Johnny Rotten even looks like. I guess it would be like he's in his own thing. He's in a, he's doing his own thing. Is it Henry Rollins? It cuz all the Ramones are dead. <laughs> is it Henry dead. Rollins? I guess. Like I don't you... know. I'm not I It's a different thing. <laughs> All right, you got one more pick. I got one more pick. Who's yours? I want. I want now. I do want Henry Rollins to do Jesus Christ Superstar in, yeah. in like sweat shorts, <laughs> yeah, in barefoot with no shirt on and sweat shorts. With I would be yeah, and it. Justin Timberlake and Chino. Yeah, I think that is that. You're not, okay. Now I'm on your side. You're right. That does make that would be something that I could see people buying tickets to. Yeah. That makes sense. Just those four. It has one, to be with, all with those the guy four. from Incubus, no. Get the fuck out of here, Brandon Boyd. Also... <laughs> I didn't really like that band, though. I, I, they never clicked with me. No, I, I... You know what's weird? Not weird. Um, The one record that was supposed to be a huge deal, like a crow left or murder, whatever, that I like. And all the records that sold a lot, not a fan. Yeah, it was kind of like they... I don't know. It, it felt like they were just doing the... Uh, like all of, all of the kind of like uh, soft Red Hot Chili Peppers songs that became hits, it was and that's like, actually one of the reasons why I wanted to that. have this conversation because Red Hot Chili Peppers played one of those like giant festival things in either '99 or 2000 in Chicago. It was when Californication was coming out, and mm-hmm. at the time I was like, "Who cares about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? They have no. It's like it's five years past their peak. At least this album is going to be shit. It, it was before the album was released. I was wrong." They headline that festival, and if that festival is held today, they would still headline that festival. Yeah, no, they they have hung in there and been uh, relevant, whether I like it or not, for you know since nineteen ninety one. Like it's insane. Yeah, and that's and there was also a decade before that. Yeah, it's They've really been, impressive. They're very old. <laughs> they're very, it's really impressive for multiple reasons, but. The fact that they never really went away is is almost unfathomable. And we really thought they were going to be gone before Californication came out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because the what one hot minute, and then it was like kind of a break, and then you know that record didn't didn't do anything for a lot of people. No. Oh well, moving on. Your final they, pick. They, they were the biggest band, and they, they in the nineties they had. Like they bookended the decade, and that was it. Oh no! I mean, they like that's weird. No, it's not that weird. They had a Metallica like touring cycle where they would do like three to four years on a record, which is not what like Pearl Jam or Nirvana or the Pumpkins did. That's the difference. And I think that you and I, because of our ages, we think that what the Pumpkins and Pearl Jam and Nirvana did—that's the normal thing. 
but it's way more normal to have one or two giant releases in a decade with like a middling one in between. Now, now I want to think of like, okay, they had their biggest records. I mean, for, in my mind, at least, I don't know, is, uh, uh, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, and Californication, and that's like ninety one and ninety nine, right? Yeah, that's correct. But then, I, what's like, your number a, three that, I, for them? Yeah, in terms of yeah, like, in terms of like third... cultural impact, what's your number three? I don't, I don't know. I probably, the, I can't tell if this is for me or for everybody. But the one, the double record that. Um, that the guy that I worked with in a kitchen listened to nonstop stadium, Arcadium um, stadium, Arcadium. See, yeah, I would, one. I would put that at like number that one five. I heard. What else is, what else is up there? By the way, by the way, oh, was yeah, the, that one was big. Yeah. Yeah. That was the follow up to Californication. Then I would put red hot minute. Then I would put stadium, Arcadium. Well, you're out of your mind for red hot minute. <laughs> It's not one, up to me. One, it's, it's about how, minute, it? yeah, but you got to remember, like, how often were they on TV promoting that record? They were still part of the cultural everything in the '90s because of that record. It doesn't matter if it didn't sell as much, but that's their one and only Dave Navarro record. And we all love Dave Navarro. He's the Ink Master. <laughs> I like that. That's his new job. Or that's 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 great. Like he's a. What a weird, what a weird fellow. Speaking of Dave Navarro, <laughs> watching The Last Dance, it made me realize that the most impactful, most important in terms of uh, where their tentacles reached show from the 90s is Singled Out. What? Hear me out. Hosted by Chris Hardwick. He's the guy that does Nerdist, obviously. He's a real creep. He's also, he like, <laughs> he helped usher in alt comedy creepiness to the mainstream and was the bridge between like the walking dead and massive success. Does this make sense thus far? I mean, yes, I, 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 I follow. He's also now the host of LeBron's, uh, game show on NBC. And that's like year three or four of that. Right. So that's number one. Number two, Jenny McCarthy without Jenny McCarthy's anti-science lies, a bunch of more people are alive. She is one of the reasons why, this country and the world is a worse place. And just be the autism stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. No, she's an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. 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 And, and she was one of the biggest and earliest ones of all that. And she's currently on the mass singer. One of the most popular shows, game shows right now. Finally, Carmen Electra clearly married to Dave Navarro at one point, clearly married to Dennis Rodman at one point has a role in clearly. the last dance. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for you to, yeah, when are you going to get to the point about her cultural impact? <laughs> <laughs> she was married to the Ink Master. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she seemed, she seemed pretty cool. She seems uh, the coolest she, of all three. Yeah, yeah I, I, like, I like her. She seems like the one that I like. Yeah, I like that, her the most, uh, too. Gang. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. Uh, she was good in the, in the last dance, right? She had a couple uh, yeah. little talking head segments. Yeah, she had Michael Jordan say, Dennis has to come play basketball now. Yeah. What a weird, like, that was the whole era <laughs> of that uh, was just so strange. And Dennis Rodman, what, a, what an icon. <laughs> I'm sure that's actually what I wanted to really discuss. A, Dennis Rodman? Yeah. 
that's pretty much all I ever wanted. There's to a discuss. part I. There's a part I liked when that movie were, or that that series where he just had a, a hat on that said "bong" on it, and that's that was my favorite part of the show. All right, let's end this. Uh, who's your number five? I, I don't know if it's a band or just the guy uh, Self. Remember Self? No. Uh, they did a, a song called "It Was So Low." There's another one called uh, "Cannon" that were both like alt radio hits, and then. It, uh, there was a record that was entirely made of uh, everything was recorded on children's toys. It was an album called Gizmodgery. That actually sounds. I thought awesome. this was going to be. It, it, they do a, they do a cover of um, What a Fool Believes just on toys. You'd like this. Yeah, this sounds like my, this is why it would never be popular. I know it, it should have been. What, what's wrong with people? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change my last pick because this. Yeah, this seems awesome. I'm gonna get into this. Thank you. I think you'd like Self. They were uh, I, I, whatever the radio station I was listening to as a kid played them enough that I was like, I bought all the records and stuff. And I like one of the very like I bought the CD and in the liner notes and the thank yous. I very like this is when I was reading everything. It was oh, yeah. obsessive and everything. But I remember there was, was a thank you to. Um, the video game Earthworm Jim, and I was like, I fucking love this dude, man. <laughs> he, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> huh? I must. Know, I, that, I have to know some yeah. of these songs. Yeah, you. I, I think you'd recognize some. Well, oh, this is a great pick. So I'm going to change my last pick because I want to go in a similar vein, which was Vast. Vast. I don't know that. See, Vast. Uh, not nearly as sounds as cool as uh, Self. Self sounds like a self no no pun intended like a self aware um, artist that like gets it, but vast stood for like video audio yeah here we go. Uh, it's an acronym for video audio sensory theater. Oh hell yeah, this sounds like some nerd shit. Yeah, it's by multi instrumentalist John Crosby, so it's a very similar like one man show, sort of industrial. Okay. Um. Yeah, and that's it. I thought for a, like, do you remember him? His Infernal Majesty. Yeah, the, the band that I. I mean, I don't really know their music, but it was the one that like Bam Margera would wear their. Exactly. Pieces. That to me is very similar to Vast. Okay, is it like the same the same era kind of? Uh, it's the same era, late but nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, but but. Him is a true band. Vast is obviously one dude, so very much the Trent Reznor, I'm my own project thing, but most people aren't Trent Reznor, so it didn't really yeah. do well. It's And there are still some songs that are pretty okay, but there's seemingly no humor in it, and he takes himself way too seriously. That being said, I'm talking on my ass, and I just thought of that once you mentioned self. So... Well, I, yeah, it takes it it takes it too seriously. Sounds about right for someone who goes by the name of Visual Audio Sensory Theater. Yeah. Now that being uh, said, one of the songs was featured on the Angel soundtrack and the companion CD to Everworld, and a song was featured in WrestleMania twenty five. All right, WrestleMania. Wait, featured on like on the the pay per view? Yeah, it was mean? featured in the pay per view. So did usually they, there's like perform? one. Is it one of those things? Usually it's like one song that they play over and over and over again, and so there you go. Uh, yeah, this was a fun conversation. 
Well, who was your original pick? Now I got to know that you who you swapped well, out. Well, I cut minute. some off because I realized I was wrong. Uh, number one, and I still really want to talk about this, is The Offspring, a band who every time I think like they have no relevance whatsoever, I'm reminded that they still are able to sell like ten to twenty thousand tickets in the summer in every major city. So that's still pretty relevant. I thought you were going to say ten to twenty thousand bottles of hot sauce at, at uh, the grocery store. I was uh, also going to say the Wallflowers because when I was at the end of junior high, the start of high school, I couldn't think of a band that who's Record. I think they sold like six million of bringing down the horse, and then nothing. But it's also like Jacob yeah, Dylan's kid, so it's yeah. like he's fine. So I guess it's not. I guess I never thought about it in terms of relevance. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't. They they're, they're in a weird spot because it's Jacob Dylan, mm-hmm. where you're guaranteed some form of relevance. Yeah. In a way that like fastball doesn't. Yes, get. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, exactly. And then my final one, my final two were Harvey Danger. I thought Harvey Danger was going to be huge, but even by the end of high school, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I just wanted them to be huge. Yeah. And finally, Live. Ooh, Live is a good one because they were huge. Yeah, but here's the thing. And then nothing. Live was huge when we were in junior high. Yeah. And by the time you were out of high school, I don't think anybody gave a shit. I there's one thing that I always remember about live is that some I forget who it was. Somebody on SNL uh was talking about live doing that show mm-hmm. and they were like they're like and the whole time I was there, the only band that ever got like a standing ovation was live. <laughs> Weird. Like people lost their mind for live. You know what's weird is I remember them doing Lakini's Juice on uh, SNL on either January or February of 97 because I was my grandma was in the hospital. So I remember watching every like SNL in a specific rating room in the hospital that like no one ever went to. So like that's the first time I ever saw the perfect drug video because they had MTV in the hospital. (laughs) And like so I have these very (laughs) weird specific angry music remembrances of bands like Live and Nine Inch Nails. Uh, and I, I don't know, when's the last time you've gone back and listened to live? So I rank everything by best of year. So I wouldn't be surprised if I heard live by choice in the last 30 days. And, um, I still, I, you still hear live on the radio if you are in a car. I don't, (laughs) you're, you're a loser. You don't listen (laughs) to cool music, (laughs) but yeah, like I, um, if we're like the only radio station at home is NPR, but if we're in the car and we're just scrolling through the modern rock stations in Baltimore, DC will play live still. Yeah. It's, it, it made it into the, you know, the canon of, yeah. uh, of alt rock for you sure. Song they enough hits. Th- this is not a joke. You know what song I've heard literally every single time I've had the car on in the last 10 trips. Uh, is it something by sublime? No, but that's a really fucking good pick. That's a band that I wish had no relevance that has massive relevance still. I think they're they are yeah. There's something there's something about Sublime, dude. They're hanging on, and they're so inappropriate in so many ways. Anyways, Billy Joel's Piano Man. <laughs> I think they were trying. No, they weren't. <laughs> Even now, looking back, it's like every single thing they do, they're like it's a fucking Superman hero complex, and it's so wrong. Sure, but I, I do think that they they thought that that was oh for sure. That was like um. But I'm, he also I'm thought good, if I do all of the heroin now, I won't need to do heroin again. So fuck that guy. All right, rest in peace. <laughs> also, the line about a riot is a is offensively bad. 
Which what was the what was this? I can play line? a guitar like a motherfucking riot. You've never been to a riot. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I don't even know if he's I been to a riot. I think you'd be a good not. lawyer for the band Sublime. <laughs> I am. I am Sublime's lawyer. Uh, that's yeah. There. I I think that yeah. Sublime is perfectly placed in history. I completely disagree with you. They're they're kind of known still. You know who's perfectly placed in history in terms of bands sort of like Sublime is Blind Melon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were I, I liked them. Exactly. But if you hate them, they're super easy to ignore. Um yeah. they had a totally great sense of humor with the B video and also they're 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 the reason why the mid nineties schoolhouse rocks updated compilations like needed to exist. Their version of Three of the Magic Number is better than the original. The definitive version. And if you're going to go by a singer that accidentally dies of a heroin overdose, I want Shannon Hoon. You're taking him over, uh, uh, what's his face? From Bradley Sub- Noel. Yeah, for sure. To each his own. No, I'm with you on that one. I, I, I think I would agree. If, if I had to pick. If we have to do the definitive power rankings of heroin overdoses... And we do. <laughs> you, me, them, everybody is made by me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at you, me, them, everybody.com. If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes, the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you meet them, everybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our about page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. At sign YMTE. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping. Friends and family I'll be keeping. 